This is the OTP, presented by our great friends at Farm Bureau Health Plans. No matter your life stage, you can plan on Farm Bureau Health Plans for great health care coverage with a sensible price tag. Visit FBHP.com. It is Wednesday, February the 8th. I am joined by Amy Wells. My name is Mike Keith. Amy, how are you doing on this Wednesday? Well, I'm splendid, Mike Keith. How are you? Well, I'm fine. Um, People are probably saying, didn't you do an OTP yesterday? And the answer is yes, we just can't get enough of this, though. Well, that's not exactly how it all went down. (laughs) Just to share with the OT people. By the way, great response to the gathering of the OT people. I, I think nobody they, likes that. I think they are <laughs> clamoring for it. Um, no, they're not. <laughs> so we came in yesterday with our great friend, the ever reliable Rhett Bryant, and we recorded the OTP on Tuesday, ten thirty ish. So two o'clock, I'm away from the office. I get a text from you. And you said, Vrabel is talking at 4.30. Immediately, I get a pit in my stomach because I know that means there is news coming. And sure enough, he announces major changes in the coaching staff, particularly the offensive coaching staff. So this is sort of an addendum to the February 7 OTP. Right. I think that's a fair way to put it. That's actually what happened. And um, it's like a little bonus, bonus footage. On a DVD. So when the release came out, I've got to admit I was a little bit in shock. It was a there lot. Was a lot to it. It was a, it was a lot to take in. Um, I don't think the Tim Kelly to offensive coordinator was a surprise. I always thought he was sort of the leader in quite the literal clubhouse, um, right. because he he certainly has a relationship with Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel has tremendous respect for Bill O'Brien. He is a protege of Bill O'Brien, one of the more adaptable offensive coaches there is, um, something that Mike Vrabel very much wants to be with his offense. He wants to be more adaptable. So that wasn't a shock. But all the other moves on the offense, my goodness, never saw that coming. Yeah, it was – I was surprised by the volume of moves. Not necessarily what they were when we actually dug into it, but um, I wasn't expecting so much shuffling of the deck, I suppose. Um, Yeah, that's what really caught me off guard. The only guy that really stays in his primary role on offense is Rob Moore, who will return for his sixth year as the wide receivers coach. Um, Jason Hotelling is the new offensive line coach. He's been on staff for two years. Mike Sullivan stays in his role as assistant offensive line coach. Sully's been here for 10 years and very part of making the machine run. Tony Dews moving from running backs to tight ends is very significant, Amy. Yes. And it's, I think. Go ahead. Well, I think there's a lot of different aspects to it. I think that's something that you and I both did not expect. But when Mike Vrabel addressed that and a bunch of other moves, he said that a lot of um, what motivated some of the changes with staff that were already part of the team was that he was looking for opportunities to give people a chance to do some career advancing. And Mike, you and I have talked about it before on the OTP 
um, the tight ends position and the coach of the tight ends is involved in every aspect of the offense. There's not a part that they don't touch. And so this might have been a career opportunity. The only staff member who is involved deeply in both the run game play uh, sort of development game planning and also the pass game planning. And so they, they are going to use Tony and Tony's a really good coach. I mean, outstanding coach. I'm sure Derek Henry's not thrilled because he, he's certainly a big advocate of Tony, but in terms of responsibility, it's a bigger job. And so they are taking advantage of not only Tony's coaching ability, but his brain. Uh, he's a smart guy and um, happy that he'll get that opportunity. Titans still looking for a running back coach at this point. The outside influence that comes in is Charles London. And Charles London is going to be the pass game coordinator and the quarterbacks coach. We knew Charles London here 12 years ago. He was on Mike Munchak's first staff for a year, was an offensive assistant, really smart guy. You could tell he was going places. He, too, is a Bill O'Brien protege, Penn State with OB, and then the Houston Texans with Bill O'Brien. So there's another tie-in, but he's been other places. He joins from the Atlanta Falcons. And so that is uh, a guy that, you know, I know Arthur Smith thinks the world of. His story, though, Amy, is really kind of cool. Uh, Charles London is 48 years old. So really? It, yeah, it's not like he's a, a 35-year-old coach. I mean, he's a, he's a guy who's been at it a while. He played at Duke in 2003. He was working in event management. He was the director of stadium operations at Gillette Stadium. Wow. That's, that's what he had learned to do at Duke. He's 28 years old, and he says, all this is great. I enjoy working for the Patriots. I like game day. But he said, I want to coach. And so he called Ted Roof, who was the head coach at Duke prior to David Cutcliffe taking that job. And he became a graduate assistant and – he has kind of worked his way through the ranks in different ways. Um, he's coached running backs. He's been with the Bears. Uh, he has been with the Texans. He's been at Penn State. He's been with the Falcons. I mean, this is a guy who interviewed for the Titans offensive coordinator position. There are a lot of people think that he is one of those up-and-comers, even though he's not I mean, Tim Kelly's not even 37 yet. Tim Kelly won't be 37 until later this year. So age-wise, he's a little older, but he is still incredibly well-regarded. Uh, as you tell that story, the only thing I could think of was that sounds like a Mike Vrabel guy through and through. Someone who decided this is what they're going to do and was able to make that pivot in their career and it is working the steps, you know, there's no way to get to where you want to go in coaching without going through every single step. And that's what it sounds like he's doing. And I'm excited to have him as part of the team. With Tim Kelly as the offensive coordinator. Now there are many saying, Oh, you're hiring someone from in-house. Well, I mean, he was in-house for a year. Mike Vrabel is certainly very familiar with it. Right. And there were reports that Mike Vrabel tried to hire him when he first got the job. And so 
This is obviously a guy that Mike Vrabel thinks a lot of, but as you and I watched practice in 2022, I would describe his role on the field much like Jim Swartz in that he was an eye in the sky. He was an overseer. He clearly was not coordinating the offense the same way Jim wasn't coordinating the defense. Right. I think that's a great way to describe it. He was the 30,000 feet view. He was the guy that oversaw everything. And so he was able to, you know, provide notes. He was able to provide some outside analysis because sometimes, especially with position coaches, you're so keyed in on your group. You need someone to kind of be able to zoom out and see the big picture. Um, So I think that what this is going to provide, having him as the offensive coordinator, beyond the fact that he's a familiar face and all of those things, he has a really good idea, better than a lot of people who may have been more zoomed in on one specific area. He has a really good idea of this offense as a whole, what it does well and what it maybe needs to improve upon. Um, I would think that better than anybody else, he has seen the full scope of what the Tennessee Titans have currently. And um, I think that's incredibly valuable. I think there's going to be a lot of consistency when it comes to obviously things like messaging and scheme and that kind of stuff. But beyond that, I think he just has such a good perspective. Now he's going to be able to dive in and obviously be a lot more hands on, um, but be able to take some of that wide view knowledge and now focus it in a little bit more. Is that fair to say? I think it's fair to say, and I think it's also fair to say we haven't seen his offense yet. No, absolutely not. That was what they were doing last year. That was something different. I I think we are going to see different aspects to what he does. And I, I go with the fact, and I keep using the word adaptable because of the whole Bill O'Brien thing and, and, That was always so important. And, you know, that's how Vrabel's defenses are, too. They are adaptable. He wants the same thing with an offense. If you need to throw it 50 times, you have the ability to do that successfully. If you need to run it 50 times, you have the ability to do that successfully. You're not just a one-trick pony married to one thing. You can use different personnel groupings and have different looks at different times based on the opponent and the overall situation. So here's what I did, Amy. I pulled the six games where he was the Texans' offensive coordinator against the Titans. Of course you did. Of course I did. So <laughs> so there are two outliers that I'm going to drop out. Okay. 2019, week 17 – The Texans have already clinched the AFC South, so they sit all of their starters. Deshaun Watson doesn't play. A.J. McCarron is Houston's quarterback in a 35-14 loss. Not fair to judge him calling plays in that game. I don't think. 2021 Week 11 at Nissan Stadium. Tyrod Taylor is the quarterback for the Texans. The Texans, the Titans played awful. Awful. Turned the ball over five times and had no takeaways. So the Titans are minus five in turnover ratio. The Texans get the lead, and because the Titans can't get out of their own way, they just had a bad day, then all they did was stall to run out the clock. They win 22-13. to They gain 190 yards, but they make no mistakes. 
And we've seen the Titans win games like that before where the other team has turned the ball over so much that offensively you're just saying, don't make a mistake or you'll lose the game. Right. So I threw those two out. I give you these four games. Week 15, Houston wins at Nashville 24-21. They gained 374 yards. 2020, week six, Tennessee wins 42-36 in overtime. Texans gained 412 yards. Week 17, 2020, Titans win 41-38 in Houston. Texans gained 457 yards. In both 2020 games, Deshaun Watson threw for over 300 yards. And then in 2021, week 18, Davis Mills throws for 301 yards. The Texans actually gained 281 in the second half, score on all four possessions, and lose to the Titans 28-25 in a game that the Titans led 21 to nothing at halftime. So in those four games, Houston averaged right at 400 yards and 31 points against Tennessee. Not bad. Well, I, I've always been very impressed with him. And yeah. I, I never wanted to, to go against him because he always had, when it counted, he always had something for us. We, we never put the kibosh on him at any point. And even if his team had a bad first half like they did in the season finale in 2021, he figured out something in the second half with a rookie quarterback. And, you know, if Ryan Tannehill doesn't drop a guy off his back and complete a long pass to Nick Westbrook-Akine, the Titans lose that game. Yeah. Well, I think looking at all of that, it's that was a good exercise, Mike Keith. I'm glad you did that. It just goes to show you that that is more of exactly what Mike Vrabel's looking for on this offense, which is someone who's able to make adjustments in game, who's able to come up with something that'll work and have that versatility no matter the circumstances. But listen to, when you think about this, Amy, you think about he was coaching for Bill O'Brien as the head coach, and then Bill O'Brien got fired. He was coaching for Romeo Cornell as the head coach. And he was coaching for David Culley as the head coach. The quarterbacks, again, obviously Deshaun Watson stands out. Right. But Tyrod Taylor, Davis Mills, A.J. McCarron, I mean, he's worked with all different sorts of talents. And having Brandon Cooks is good, but, I, I mean, they didn't have a lot of running backs at that point. They had nothing to play for in the last two games of 2020 and 2021 and still were able to, you know, go out and make it very respectable showings. Um, I think he's a good coach. I I really do. So um, he's got his group together on offense with Charles London. Uh, Pat O'Hara becomes the pass game analyst. The run game analyst is Luke Steckel, who interviewed for the Chargers. Offensive coordinator job, very smart guy in his own right. So that's the offense. I'm still surprised. I I still did not expect Vrabel to kind of start all over with it, whether it be inside guys or outside guys or whatever, to kind of jumble it up and say, we've got to do something different. We've got to have a different look in so many different ways. We've got to use the brains in different ways. We've got to have the collaboration in different ways. 
it, it surprised me, but as you look at who these guys are with their backgrounds and what they've done, Tony Dews has coached tight ends before. Um, Hotailing has been a head coach before. He's a teacher in the offensive line. You're going to go with a new message right now because you're obviously going to have several new offensive linemen, whether they be veterans or they're drafted players. It kind of fits it all together. It makes more and more sense as you delve. Yeah, and after hearing Mike Vrabel discuss it, I totally wasn't surprised at all. I mean, he flat out said, we have to do some things different on the offensive side of the ball. The offense is not a disaster, but there are definitely obviously changes that need to be made. He's shaking some things up. He's kind of turning the pic- the picture upside down. You know how sometimes, especially in like art class, they'd tell you to turn it upside down if you were stuck. Right. Turn it upside down. Let's see what we can do. See if we can shake some new things out of this tree and continue forward. I think that's what Mike Brabel's doing, and he's trying to put people in the best places to succeed for their own right and also in the best place for this offense to succeed. Before we go to defense, I want to remind you that this portion of the OTP is brought to you by the new Duncan Rewards Program. Download the app today and start saving and stacking your way to the free Duncan you love. Duncan Rewards, save them, stack them, use them how you want. America runs on Duncan. Terms apply. All right, on defense, not nearly as many changes. No. Shane Bowen's still the defensive coordinator. Scott Booker's still the safety coach. The inside linebacker coaches are still Bobby King and Zach Kerr. The defensive line coaches are still Terrell Williams and Clinton McMillan. The main outside linebacker coach is Ryan Crow, who's now in his sixth year on the staff. But Here's where the additions come in. Let's start with his assistant with the outside linebackers, Lori Lori Locus. Um, She comes from Tampa, where she had spent three seasons, won a Super Bowl. Before that, she had interned with the Baltimore Ravens. Before that, she had coached in the AAF. But here's what I did not know about her. Um... Lori Locus is almost 59 years old. Really? Yes. Whoa. And, I mean, she paid some dues. She went to Temple where she met Bruce Arians one time. She was a Steeler fan. She got married, had two kids, and the the two kids are now late 20s both. Got a divorce. And she decided she wanted to play football at the age of 40. So she starts playing semi-pro women's football and gets hurt. And so that ends her playing career. So she goes in to coaching. And, I mean, it's really a fascinating story how she worked her way up, connected. Uh, She was a semi-pro defensive lineman with the Central Penn Vipers. Mentioned that. Then she gets hurt. Her old high school hires her as an assistant coach in 2009. She becomes an uh, assistant with the Central Penn Piranha, a men's semi-pro team. She volunteered at all-star showcases for Division II and Division III. She went anywhere she could go. She drove to Indianapolis in 2017 at the Combine where they did 
a women's careers in football form. She did it in 2018. She tried to get the Bill Walsh Fellowship in 2017. Didn't get it. Got it in 2018. And so she was a defensive line assistant with the Ravens. And she bonded with the likes of Terrell Suggs, Michael Pierce, and Brandon Williams, all of whom felt like she knows her stuff. She helped me with technique. I mean, they've all these guys have come out on her behalf saying this. So she's coaching at AAF. She has a chance to meet Bruce Arians, who earlier in his, his life had encountered a female receivers coach at a junior college in Mississippi. And I always kept that in the back of his mind. And hmm. he said, I don't care who you are. If you can coach, you can coach. And so Bruce Arians hire, hires her, and she ends up there for three years, wins a Super Bowl ring, and now she's on the way to help the Tennessee Titans. So that's who Lori Locus is. Uh, she has put in her time. She has earned her stripes. And the players with whom she has worked, the Indomitian Sues, and I mean, we're talking, Amy, those guys don't play. Uh, no, those no. are real football players. Yes. But, you know, they say, hey, she knows her stuff. And so there you go. The stamp of approval as she joins Ryan Crow coaching the outside linebackers for the Titans. You want to know something that's kind of funny about Lori Locust? Sure. I have a wall in my house where I put sticky notes when I have ideas of people that I want to interview for the OTP, various things. If something pops in my head, I put a sticky note on the wall. I have had a sticky note on the wall with her name on it since 2019 on the wall in my home. So I think that's going to happen. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. What this says to me is if I leave my sticky notes long enough, these people will just come to me. There you go. They'll all join the <laughs> Titans. But right. no, that's how long I've known about her and just her presence in football. And I mean, it's literally been on my wall for years that I have wanted to do an interview with her for the OT people. So I personally, I am very excited because I've been a fan of her story for a while. The Titans have women working in the personnel and scouting department now. Correct. And they have people doing analysis on certain things that are both male and female. So you will go to practice and you will see females on the field working. Now you're going to see one specifically on the field helping coach the OLBs. I'm so excited. That's a good thing. Um, yeah. Now the question is, are we going to see Chris Harris – Coached the defensive pass game as the coordinator and the cornerbacks. Former NFL player, played with multiple teams. He was a safety. He's been coaching in the league the last three years with Washington. They've had some of the best secondaries in the NFL. And the Titans announced Chris Harris was hired as the defensive pass game court coordinator and the cornerback coach yesterday. But... He has interviewed for the Houston Texans defensive coordinator's job. So we'll see what happens. And probably about the minute we post this, that will be resolved one way or the other. That's the way this seems to be working this week. But 100%. But Chris is working with Scott Booker, and Scott has coached the safeties. He's worked his way up from a defensive assistant. Impressive guy. Vrabel said it was hard to not give him the secondary. 
that he thinks he is that close to ready, but the chance to get Chris Harris was just over and above because of what he's done with the corners and what he's done with the secondary in Washington overall. Well, we will see. Stay tuned on that one, I guess. Well, the other newcomer to the staff is the defensive quality control coach, Justin Hamilton. And if you follow Virginia Tech football, you know they have a legendary defensive coordinator by the name of Bud Foster. Bud Foster retired, and the person who was hired to replace him was Justin Hamilton. Justin Hamilton started his coaching career at Grace Christian Academy in 2009 when he finished playing in the NFL. He spent a couple of years in the NFL, parts of two seasons with Cleveland and Washington. So he goes to Grace Christian in Knoxville, gets his coaching career started with a goal of eventually getting to his alma mater, Virginia Tech, and maybe, just maybe, having a chance to be the defensive coordinator. He was the defensive coordinator at NAIA University of Virginia's College at Wise. Then Hokie coach Justin Fuente offered him a job as the director of player development. He was then moved on to the staff as he was the safeties coach. And then in 2020, um, he became the defensive coordinator. When Justin Fuente lost his job at the end of 2021, Justin Hamilton decided he was going to take a year off. So here's the backstory to this. His wife is from East Tennessee. And so he spent a good bit of this past fall in East Tennessee. He actually was on a TV show run by a great friend of mine by the name of John Pennington from way back. John and I used to do a TV show in 1996 together. And his whole thing, Amy, is he said, I want to get back into coaching, but I want to go to the pros. So that's what he's doing. He is the defensive quality control coach, and he will work in the secondary. Now, do you have anything to add to that, or do you want me to keep going? No, I want you to keep going. It's kind of an interesting story, isn't it? Yeah, I've been pulled into this story. Thank you. So he has a couple of famous former pupils from Virginia Tech. Divine Diablo, the really big safety for the Raiders, kind of a linebacker safety hybrid. He's a big dude. Yes. And Caleb Farley. And And so as Caleb Farley... And I don't think they hired him with the Titans for this reason. I think this is just kind of what may be a bonus in all of this is Caleb's got some things he's got to do physically to get well, for sure. But there's also a confidence factor. Right. And you wonder if this person who goes back so far with him can bolster him to where maybe, just maybe, we can see the best of Caleb Farley, whatever that's going to be in the NFL, which, Amy, we have not seen as of yet. No, we haven't, but um, this is kind of an exciting development when you think about him and being able to maybe jumpstart what it is that he might need in terms of 
preparation and really getting the best out of him, like you said, especially throughout the offseason as he's getting ready for training camp and beyond. So here's the common thread we're sort of seeing in all of this. And tell me if I'm missing anything else. Hoteling in the offensive line, teacher, instructor, communicator that guys really like to work with as they work on their craft. Tony Dews, we know, is that too. Right. Rob Moore is that. We know he's that kind of guy. Charles London doesn't start his coaching career till he's 28, has coached multiple positions, has been with Tim Kelly before. That factors into that as well. Uh, Pat O'Hara and Luke Steckel certainly have those abilities themselves. And then on defense, we're talking about Lori Locus, technique issues, being able to work on specific fundamentals. And you find coaches in a variety of sports, when they come to sports later, they learn how to do it the right way. Yeah. And so they can teach it the right way because they've never gotten the bad habits when they were eight years old or 12 years old or whatever. Just throwing that out there. Justin, ha- Justin Hamilton is clearly a teacher. And then Chris Harris seems to have that about him, teaching those corners in Washington to play incredibly physical and to not be afraid. And that's what we saw in the game in Washington. We completed the long pass to Westbrook Akine, but that was really more fluky than it was a poor play. Everything was hard against those guys that day. Yeah, it was. And I was doing a little work, you know, when I was going through some of the Tim Kelly stuff with the games that he had coached against us. And I went back through, and and obviously I'm excited about the defense because you're going to have Harold Landry back to go with right. Jeffrey Simmons. And I think having Harold Landry back, you know, in 21, 75 tackles, 12 sacks, 14 tackles for losses, 49 quarterback pressures. He also plays 90% of the snaps. So it's almost like having two guys. When you lost Harold Landry, you almost lost two guys. And Harold also can drop into coverage. Harold can play the run. Harold, uh, there, there's really not much Harold can't do, and that's why he's been, I don't want to say he's been Shane Bowen's favorite player, but it's certainly been close because of the versatility of Harold Landry. Having right. him back will benefit Big Jeff and whomever else is up there in the front. The other thing, too, Amy, when it became clear that Roger McCrary was going to win the corner job opposite Christian Fulton in camp, and I think it became clear pretty early in August that that was going to happen, we figured that our secondary was going to be McCrary and Fulton at the corners, Amani Hooker and Kevin Byard at the safety position, and then Elijah Molden was going to be the nickel. And then we were going to have A.J. Moore – to use maybe as the nickel linebacker, maybe as a third safety. You know, there, there were some things they were thinking about. Take out the A.J. Moore factor because he was hurt in training camp. Right. How many games those five defensive backs started together in 2022? If any, it's not very many. Zero. That's what I thought. They but never all like Byard, Byard played every game. Uh, 
McCrary played every game, but obviously Hooker missed time, Fulton missed time, and Molden basically didn't play. Yeah. If you could have that group together with Chris Harris, with Scott Booker, with Justin Hamilton, that's pretty good. That's great. Yeah, and then what happens if Farley gives you something? What happens if Trey Avery gives you something? What happens if you start to find more of those pieces? Some, I mean, suddenly you have the secondary you thought you would have last year that you never had together to all five starting. That's like your basketball lineup, your first five you put on the floor. Those five did not start all together one game. Didn't happen. The only game that Molden started Fulton was not available. Hooker may not have been available either. Yeah. Uh, Thinking back to things like that and some of those lineup issues and holy smokes. I mean, the season was so different than what we expected it to be strictly from a personnel standpoint. The excitement of the possibilities of having some of those personnel groupings that we hoped we would have. Right under some real strong teachers and maybe a different philosophy or a different mindset, just little tweaks here and there. Oh, the possibilities. Yeah. Are key. And, and I mean, listen, I don't know the complete style of what they're going to look like on offense. I, I don't know yeah. that it, I, I don't know what that's going to look like, but I do get the idea of what Vrabel's philosophy is with the, adaptability Mm -hmm. that's what he wants on offense that's what he wants on defense and I think you can see where he can get with Rand Carthon and put together a roster that these coaches can mold in that way to be more adaptable that's just I as I've played with it for literally hours last night and today that's what jumps out to me Well, I think that's a pretty good analysis. I think when we talk about um, what Mike Vrabel's looking for in a coach and the way that he defines what coaching is, a big part of that is teaching. Teaching and building relationships. How many times have we heard him say just that? And inspiring. Exactly. So he has found people who can do that, who are teachers, who are good communicators, who are good at building relationships with people, can find a way to light your fire a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I think that we are continuing to see Mike Vrabel bring in Mike Vrabel type coaches. If that, it's redundant, but it's uh it's exciting to see and I think that I think that the players, the personnel will respond to that. Um, because they seem to respond to Mike Vrabel. They do. So getting more people who are of a Mike Vrabel mindset can only benefit this team. Well, hopefully Chris Harris will be here, and hopefully the running backs coach will be somebody who sort of fits that. And you and you got to have a feeling he's got somebody in mind right this minute. Right. So, because that's Vrabel. All right, mm-hmm. so this is the addendum to yesterday's OTP as we discuss the coaching staff here and kind of go through. And, I mean, there's going to be a lot more to discuss. I mean, this is the the first blush because we are literally recording this 24 hours from the time that we learned of these these changes. 
Um, yeah, almost to the minute. Actually. Almost to the minute. But when you yeah. when you delve into some things, you're like, okay, I get, I get what that is, and that's what I'm coming up with. So we'll see. More to come. For Absolutely. sure. All right. Farm Bureau Health Plans is celebrating 76 years of providing Tennesseans with high-quality health coverage at an affordable cost. Visit FBHP.com to learn about our history in Tennessee. Amy Wells, thank you as always for the time. Oh, Mike Keith, it was a pleasure as always. Okay. For Rhett Bryan and Amy Wells, I'm Mike Keith, thanking you, the OT people, for tuning in to the OT people. Tighten up!